for me, social critical thought is, is basically sociological issues that relate to movement. Um, and it's kind of things how I, how I use it as I look for issues around sociology to do with my boys and PE. So it's really towards them. So kind of to think critically and think about assumptions, but also to take action. You're listening to the NZPE TeacherCast, a podcast sharing some of the inspirational stories from amazing health and physical education teachers. Today's episode is sponsored by My Study Series, an online learning platform by New Zealand PE teachers for New Zealand PE teachers and their students. Check it out now at mystudyseries.co.nz. Uh, kia ora everyone, I'm here with Cameron Smith from Scots College of Wellington. Um, I've just turned up with some coffee from Roxy Cinema and had a look at their bell tower which was um, had a bit of spray paint on it from a local school this morning, um, but it's been taken down so um, quick, quick to action there. It's the last day of seniors so we're having a, a few pranks left, right and centre. There's been a few cars um, cellophaned at, at my school so um, hopefully Hopefully it doesn't get any worse than that. So welcome to the podcast, Cam. Thanks, man. Uh, just before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about your teaching background and experience and a couple of tidbits about your school and the students you teach? Yeah, sure. Um, I've been teaching, well, kind of only for seven years. Um, so first five and not, a half. Not 19 like Celia. No, not 19, not at the same school, no. no. So five and a half with, um, with Maddie Lambert over at HC. Um, and I've been here at Scott's for... One and a half years now. Um, extremely different schools. Uh, HC obviously co-ed, mid-decile. Scott's been decile 10, private, all boys. Um, when I turned up, I was like, what the hell is this? Um, so academies all over the places, football, cricket, full-time coaches. Um, weird feel at first, actually, the old private school. It felt like a business, and I wasn't I wasn't 100% sure about it. Um, but I love it now. So... Um, yeah, no, I really enjoy it here, um, and I'll give Scots a little bit of credit. They're probably, even though the place looks like Hogwarts, um, it's probably actually quite for a boys' school quite progressive, um, and they're not as results driven and stuff, and they're not afraid of change, um, which is yeah, it was cool. Um, going to the interview, I probably had my assumptions about the place, but I was pleasantly surprised. Did you expect just how different it would be coming in? Did you have a, a fair idea about what that was, what the differences would be like? Obviously old boys been different, but I had no idea about private school. Um, so I'd never even been in a private school or anything like that before. So I had no idea what it was kind of like. And it was a it was a big shock just in terms of how it ran. Mm. Um, it was like a business. I guess it is a business. Yep. Yeah. Um, high expectations from parents? Massive. And yep. what is, what is that... Um, how does that rear its head? Emails or phone calls? Yeah, and... emails usually. Um, although, to be honest with you, I don't know if it's their, their perception, but as a PE teacher, I don't get a lot. So I haven't <laughs> had, any, had any parents kind of challenging grades or anything like that, but you definitely hear a lot from the parents. Um, and they do put, not so much on the teachers, I've found, but they put a lot of pressure on their kids. Mm. Um, when they send them there, obviously pay a lot of money and 
and they really, you know, which, you know, at least it keeps the kid honest, but it does put a lot of pressure on them academically. Money aside, it's kind of good to see parents taking in a, a real strong interest in their, yeah. in their kids' achievement. So what I lo- that's probably the most thing I like about the place is, is there is a value for education. Um, you know, the, the kids are actually, you know, the boys are really, really nice and stuff, but they do actually value learning, which is nice. I've I've just noticed I've plonked the microphone down on um, this resource that I haven't seen for about ten years. This isn't mine, mate. This isn't mine. <laughs> this is for for this those is of my you. Um, it's hard to describe over a podcast, but a big, huge ring binder with segmented sports, with lessons, and there must be about twelve different sports in there, sixteen different sports. With lesson plans and everything. I use this a lot when I was a beginning teacher. Oh, it's quite a good yeah, one. Yeah. I like it. I'd probably still use it now if I could find it. Yeah, that's my HOD. So he, um, yeah, he, uh, I don't know if he still uses it or it's a book weight or what, but uh, it's pretty big. Time I looked at it. Yeah, it's solid, isn't it? So, if you had a specialty per se, I would assume it would be socio critical thinking relating to PE. Um, that's, I guess, what you're known for, I think. So, can you explain what this term socio critical thinking is? Um, and how it guides your teaching? Yeah, sure. Um, to be honest, if you asked me this question two and a half years ago, I would have said, what the hell is social critical thinking? Um, and I was probably pretty results-driven, kind of a little bit of sport-driven and stuff like that, and it probably didn't change. Probably all changed when I went and I wanted to teach scholarships. So I went and saw my old my old Year 12 tutor teacher, Mr uh, Mead, down in Pram, and my seventh oh, form. you, yeah, yeah, Pram boy. Yeah, he was my seventh form football coach as well. Um, yeah. yeah, so I was a Pram boy, and he was my uh, <laughs> never taught me, but he was my form teacher. So I went back there, and he'll probably hate that because it'll probably show how old he is, because um, I'm not that young. And went back, and I don't uh, know if he listens. Hopefully, I don't know yeah, if he listens to the yeah, podcast. If he, do, if, he, if he does, then yeah, yeah, yeah. you'll know that now. Um, so went back and kind of had a, a really big yarn to him about you know what was scholarship all about and the importance of this because I taught year thirteen, but Besides from kind of reading on paper and remembering what I what I learned in um, university and at teachers college, I didn't know a hell of a lot about it. So went back and kind of the the masters and reading around it when I started that. I know you're going to talk to me about that later, but um, for me, social critical thought is is basically sociological issues that relate to movement, um, and it's kind of things how I how I use it as I look for issues around sociology to do with my boys and PE so it's really towards them so kind of to think critically and think about assumptions but also to take action um, my big push is, is often and I'll talk about it later but old Sally Hart's um, research about when she interviewed people that it was a lot of people thought it was done through theory and I mean it is you know predominantly hard to get your idea around so it's just kind of coming up with ideas and applying the old critical analysis process so it's nothing new it's just I've adapted it and stuff like that and presented on it so no, I like what you said about um, people assume that it has to be done through theory and that was why I went along to your um, and we'll talk about that in a sec your presentation at Penns this year um, because I thought what the hell I didn't even know you then I thought what the, what's this bloke going to talk about getting social critical thinking into practical sessions and, yeah um, and I think you demonstrated that really well at Penns, but you'll talk about that soon. You're doing your Masters of Education. Um, how are you managing to link that socio-critical, social, socio-critical thinking to what you're doing in your Masters? And then how are you going to, or how do you, blend the two into your approach to teaching PU? 
Yeah, and so, health, and health. Yeah. We've got to mention the health yeah, side yeah. So, um, yeah, as I said before, it was probably the masters and, you know, starting to teach scholarship that kind of got me into thinking about this, kind of rethinking back about that curriculum that probably sat in my drawer for the first two years teaching and forgotten about. So I had some really awesome lectures when I've been doing that online at Waikato, so Kirsten Petrie um, really kind of challenged my thought and kind of identified why it was so important. Um, so I already kind of, I already knew about it, um, but there was that whole paper that I did was around issues in health and PE in New Zealand and really made me think about what was important if kids walk away with in terms of PE, in terms of learning. So for me, that was quite an important one. Um, so yeah, I kind of did that and I also looked at the overuse of sport in PE um, for a guy called Clive Pope, which was really interesting. Um, so that got me thinking and, and kind of Kirsten challenged me to think, you know, this is this is important, but how do you do it and keep moving? You know, how do you how do you keep our subject practical? So I kind of look for examples, but then kind of come up with my own ideas and um, kind of brought it back. So an example was the old gender stereotyping one, the most basic one, where you kind of play a game of tag and you, you yell out, move like a boy or move like a um, girl, and then you kind of reflect using that critical analysis process, um, that type of thing. So... You know, my big push was also units that were made around inquiry rather than in a context, um, um, student-centred and things that are really applicable to the to the students. You know, we're an all-boys school and while the boys are, are decent at accepting diversity, they, they're they not so great at, at kind of gender stereotyping and stuff, so that's they, what they need to work on. That, um, that task, the one you just described about, um, we were that you, you also did at the Penns Conference where we were running around and yep. then run like a girl and yep. run like a boy and and that sort of thing. Even for me as an experienced health and PE teacher, yep. even that made open my eyes to a few things that probably I took for granted. So for a, a, a kid, a student I should call him, to go through that, uh, I think it's pretty eye-opening. I, I haven't yet done it with my students, um, which I should have, but next year definitely, and I want to try it with some junior kids too. I think it's, um, I think you're right. We do need to start thinking about this stuff more in PE um, because we don't. And I think who was it? Maybe in our chat with Matt brought it up that we, as physical educators, tend to avoid the social critical standards because they require a little bit of thinking, and they do. But if we can take them into a practical context then that's a little bit e easier for us, I think, to convey that message around those issues. Um, and going back, a couple of questions you were saying at uni, what you're doing your Masters, that got you thinking, or they encourage you to think about certain issues and, and those that might be impacting your students. What, in, in your perspective, what's, what's the biggest issue facing um, our community or society or our kids these days? In terms of PE, in terms of movement context, or no, in terms of that sociocritical area, sociological. I think we get so bombarded by media, you know, like media dictates um, the kids um, about what movement should be. You know, it dictates their parents. Um, you know, my old man would come back, and I think I told him that I was presenting at the national conference. He'd, oh, you're just going to teach the other teachers how to get them all fit, and that's <laughs> you know, that's that's that old belief and stuff like that, and and. You know, um, so it's, yeah, the media has a lot to blame with that, but yeah, I, sometimes you can't blame those people because that's what they grew up with, you know, even that. So kind of the whole of the fitness, you know, misrepresentation of what's 
what's fit, you know, our kind of stereotyping around movement, you know, even our stereotyping around sports and money and things like that, mm. you know, and getting kids to take a bit more action for kind of social justice. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that, that, uh, that's why I see it to be important. Um, you know, no one, especially coming here to an all-boys school, you do notice it quite a bit, um, and trying to, you know, trying to break that, that kind of cycle, that PE sport and, I had a really good one recently. A boy came in, um, did skull with me that isn't doing senior PE. He's a smart kid. Um, good on him. Mm, and he's a year 12 boy. And at the end, he really thanked me. He said, Sir, I didn't know that, that PE was that deep. Um, you know, I didn't know you could actually think like that about topics, about sports. So that was that was a cool thing. You know, actually him going through that critical process was was cool and actually acknowledging that the subject had more than just, uh, just learning to hit a hockey ball or something. I think the media, you're right, they've, they've got a lot to answer for, but I think our students don't really, that perception around media in New Zealand, because it's, oh, I don't know, it's, because it's not as dominant, but I don't think we tend to think of media in that way too much, but things like um, the, the elections, the presidential elections in the US that are happening at the moment are really kind of exposing our students and us to just how powerful they can be in in terms of influencing thought and stuff mm. like that. So, it's um, I guess it is a worry. You touched on a really good kind of point. Like, we got sounds all political now, but we got a government that likes to kind of box subjects, mm-hmm. you know, for economic gain or for jobs and stuff. And and you know, I've heard from all these kind of idiots in the the politics that have come out and kind of said, you know, like the PE and obesity thing, where they all say, oh. You know, PE needs more responsibility or more PE hours just so our kids get fitter. Um, you know, it's that kind of misconceptions about what PE is, and, and it's a bit of a danger as well. I mean, if they get hold of that and and kind of all of a sudden in the next couple of years, and I, I watched that um, obesity debate the other day on Periscope. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they did a really good part where um, England and even Aussie now, like the PE teachers, I might be completely wrong, but someone said this, the PE teachers are getting almost standards around what they have to get kids to in terms of BMI and that kind of rubbish, which is this is a joke, you know. And So, it's yeah, it's, it's dangerous. I mean, there's some great things happening out there, but you touched on it as well that sometimes as PE teachers we don't help ourselves, mm. you know, that you can walk around and just see someone teaching the skill to every sport and, and at the end of the day, how can you justify how justify that if you're just teaching a sport? Yep. You know, there's an area that's important where, you know, the ones that, that probably should be going to conference are probably the ones that aren't. Yeah, I think I think we're quite lucky um, with what our curriculum provides us, yeah. and with the flexibility and how we can teach context, and we don't have to teach sport, and we're encouraged to do that. I think we're really lucky. Uh, moving on to Penn's conference, um, and you've mentioned this already, but you discussed an overemphasis on sport performance um, in the biophysical and. For us, by teachers, um, and even some disengagement with other strands of the curriculum, which I agree with. Um, but can you elaborate, elaborate, and give us some, well, maybe some potential solutions to this to this issue, which is seemingly quite common across the board. This whole avoidance of sociocultural standards and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. See, I was probably one of them before, kind of looking into this two and a half years ago when probably at HC was probably looking at cutting those social cultural critical standards three years ago because of the results so I didn't really know um, and learning a lot more about them is, is you know has helped me big time and I mentioned Sally Hart's thesis earlier which is a decent read about you know we interviewed a couple of teachers and thinking that 
you know, that it's all done in health or it's not done practically. Um, the big part is, and, and what her research shows, was that, that teachers nearly twofold would choose the biophysical ones, like year 2.2, 2.3, over the social critical, and the big thing was that they were practical um, and that they were actually easier for the kids and a bit more measurable. Um, as opposed to the social critical, and a lot of the time, from what I kind of seen for a bit of research and stuff, is, is the social critical is taught all in theory, um, and it doesn't really have that in and through movement part, um, which you know can kind of kind of box that kind of area. Um, so yeah, and the, the biophysical tend to be put around sport. I mean, even if you look at the examples in NZQA, um, and the. the the distinct thing about that is if, if it's all around sport, then you exclude quite a lot of kids. You know, sport, don't get me wrong, sport's fantastic, you know, when it's used properly. But if it's used just everything about sport, it excludes a, a lot of kids. Um, and it's, and you know, PE is, while we use sport to teach them things, it's not all about sport. Um, so Yeah, Celia mentioned last week in the podcast that we were talking about charter schools and stuff like that. We got onto that subject somehow and we were talking about if you could create your perfect school and um, we had talked about this, a sporting school but she was saying no, no, we shouldn't. It's not sport. No, sport is good but it's about well-being and, yeah. and all, all the water and all the dimensions you know, working together and strengthening each other. So, um, so your potential solution... Yep. is teaching it in a more practical sense, I guess, which is what Looking you demonstrated. Looking at issues that, yeah, that's replicable to your kids. Um, like we did here, where well, we did this year, this year for level twos, we have a lot of sports people, so we actually use sport, we're a bit critical about it. So we looked at high school sport, you know, you got a lot of boys here on scholarships and stuff, and kind of were critical about it, so they participate in different scenarios and reflect on that um, to be critical about that kind of situation. What's a, what, what sort of example, scenario? Um, basically going back and kind of they all played netball so they played what we deem as girl sports high school so they put all the skirts on and um, that type of thing and then we kind of reflected you know how that changes our attitudes towards it and why we don't have you know what would you say of a boy when play netball here at Scots and you know we kind of the boys really came out that kids should be able to choose what they want to do and we shouldn't have to judge them and that type of thing so kind of thinking outside the square I was thinking of you the other day because uh, I had an order from HeartSport um, and they sent the wrong thing and they sent some bibs and those bibs were um, where I'm at a boys' school and I was like, oh, should I could keep these but I'm not going to use them so we, we didn't keep them but thinking back, maybe I should have and maybe we should be playing netball. We don't have any nipple hoops but um, nipple's a great sport. Yeah. Yeah. It's that whole thing as well, you know, if we we start cutting out those well you know we shouldn't shouldn't be driven by achievement standards but we start cutting them out we've cut to narrow stuff down you know and that whole that whole curriculum about when a PE student walks away that they should be able to think about these things and that, that really ties into me you know I kind of think of it of year 10 student never going to take PE again what can they I know I'm coming back to juniors but what can they walk away with like so many junior PEs around a mini NCA where if a kid can walk away with a bit of critical thought about something, you know, they can later on in life they can think, see something and think about it. Well, you know, what's the, what's the good about this? What's the bad? You know, what am I, what am I kind of missing here in terms of they're going to go and take CrossFit or they're going to join a club or something like that. So it's about the kind of walking away with thinking rather than. Well, no, that was the next question yeah. anyway. So should we be looking at social critical elements in the junior school? Absolutely, mate. Um, start young. 
you know, like a lot of my year eight boys, we do a lot of work around kind of being critical around competition because they, when you get in the study, they suck about basically competition um, and also about them, how they treat females and things like that through movement. Um, I think, you know, it's them being critical around wellbeing topics is, is quite a big one, um, I definitely think, for those juniors. Mm. Yeah, route things that are applicable to your to your students, and I just I just basically rip rip off the the cap as we know it and kind of simplify it. Yeah, um, Bain and Gillespie's a really great resource. Yep. Yeah. What's What's one thing that actually I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off on this question. You mentioned something earlier about um, you back when you're at, uh, at Heritonga, um that there was they were going to pull the social critical yep. standards because of uh, the results. Who, yep. Whose decision was that? Is that coming from up top or is that an HOD yeah, decision? So, so, yeah, that's, that's a big pressure from um, that whole, you know, kind of reaching that, that using the data, and data is mm. important to use, but when you look back at it, it was kind of, you know, this is going back quite a way, that those were the ones that had less pass rates and stuff like that. So as teachers, we were kind of reviewing the courses, and back then I would have been one of the first ones to say, yep, take it away. Um, rather thinking kind of about the results rather than what actually a student works away in terms of learning um, was probably where I was going wrong there. So, Yeah, you kind of get put in a hard place, eh, where you're yeah, getting I, this pressure yeah. from upstairs and you're forced to make decisions that are not really in the student's mm-hmm. best interest. I mean, credit totals is, is, a, is another example and relating to student wellbeing. If, if you're being told that the ideal number of credits for your course to offer is 24, yet your kids can't manage that. Well, what are yeah. we supposed to do? Do we not offer 24 credits and then we get a knock on the door towards the end of the year going, well, where's, you know, yeah. it's, it makes it really it's, difficult for That us. was the beauty in doing the Masters. It was kind of getting my head out of the school again. You know, you get so trapped in results, you know, results, results, you know, this, this and that, and that you kind of forget about what's important for a kid to learn and take away. Um, so that's, you know, that's why I think that, we should have a bit of you know social critical, biophysical, you know leadership, well-being. It should you know be all in there, um, rather than just kind of taking away one thing. Um, and it's kind of that that kind of results driven from the schools, of course, comes from the ministry as well. Yes, you know, it puts yeah. A lot so of it's not fair to blame yeah. it on the principal or no. senior management because yeah. they're getting it's where it from. it's come from. You know, yeah. and it's not fair on the HODs because they're under yep. the pump to to kind of you know they'll be answering. If they didn't get for a standard, you know, why didn't they pass this, or why have you still got this here? Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah, I' a bit disappointed that whole kind of push for results, but yeah, oh well. One uh, one thing a PE teacher could do right now, a PE health teacher could do to incorporate more of the social critical elements into their teaching. Cool. Think about some um, issues that that lie around their school or related to their students or something like that. Needs to link into their students, huh? Yeah, needs to link in for them to take action um, and. Read the critical analysis process um, by was it McBain and Gillespie and, and adapt it. So basically, have them participate in a scenario that that is naturally unjust. You know, whether one team's advantaged, something like that, and then kind of have them feel that kind of injustice and kind of see that and reflect on it. Um, so set up that practical scenario and reflect on it, and then um, come up with ideas how to take action and, and do it. Um, yeah, I definitely think read more and stuff like that about that kind of areas there's some cool stuff out there it's just not always showing how it's mm. how it's done practically you know and that's something we don't want to lose as a no. me, as an area um, you don't want to lose your uh, your practical nature 
Um, and I think I think you raised one with Maddie um, that I'm actually going to ask you about that old name change. And you're 100 percent right about um, you know the, the assumptions that we have from parents from from kids and that. But but the point is that I think education in our name is really important. Um, but it does carry that baggage. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hadn't thought about um, what you just mentioned then—that the importance of our name, physical education—and mm. that does that does hold some value. Um, whether you know, I, I'm still at a, I'm still a bit lost with that process and, and where I'm at with that. I, I don't, I don't know. Mm. I think I'm interested to see how next year goes for us with a few different changes that we're trying to implement which might make things a little bit different but I, I, to be honest I don't know um, and you know people have tried this and that and changing this and seeing how that works for them and it seems like sometimes the same issues are still there regardless of yeah. what it is so obviously it's a, it's much deeper than just a name change it's a, it's a culture of assumptions that comes around. Do you think it, I mean part of it is still I mean as I said earlier like Usually, the teachers that want to find out about more stuff go to conference. The ones yes. that don't are probably the ones that are still rolling the ball out or something yeah. like that. Like I just, you know, you don't want to mandate anything, but the PE no. teachers need to be a bit more accountable for how they teach. And, yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, if if PE was if all PE teachers were operating at a level that you and I probably think PE should yep. operate at, then maybe these assumptions wouldn't exist. The fact that they're still there. Yeah. You know, obviously, PE teachers are still, um, whether you know that is how they want to teach or whether it's just a little bit of ignorance um, or lack of understanding, I, I don't know, but it must still be happening for yeah. um, these assumptions to still exist. So it's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a worry, but, you know, it's the same thing. You, I talked about getting parents to parent-teacher evenings that, you need to see there, you know, and they don't come. It's like if a person doesn't want to take the first step, um, yeah. then how are you going to yeah, meet them, I guess. Uh, what's one piece of technology that you can't do without in your teaching and it doesn't have to be PE-related? Easy, YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, YouTube <laughs> is, is gold, I reckon, for, mm. um, for teaching. I reckon as a day goes by, I don't use YouTube somehow. Um, I still hear from, from schools who have YouTube. It's locked, locked yeah, off. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting until, and it doesn't, you know, it won't happen here and stuff. I hope it won't because I'll be throwing my toys. Um, but that's just stupid. Like, you know, seriously, YouTubers, I mean, flip videos, um, even for differentiation, you know, like kids that want to work ahead, then there's these links to the videos, and we have Wi-Fi, so they just kind of work on what kind of level they're at. Um, there's so much out there as well. There's only so much you can talk about as a teacher where there's so much yep. more you can you can show and things like that with YouTubers you know and, and um, keep fit as well um, if you have bad Wi-Fi that helps mm. Um, mm. yeah well with the YouTube thing like one of the um, one of the best speakers I've heard is a guy called Will, Will Richardson and he discusses um, well he mentions that the, the curriculum is just our best guess at what our kids should know of a fraction of all of the knowledge and information in the world. Our, our curriculum is just our best guess at what our kids should know. And then we go and say, now I'm the best person to teach that to you. And we lock our kids within four walls and say, this is how you're going to learn this stuff. And, yeah. and all honesty, I'm not an expert. I'm an expert on some things, but not everything. And it's about empowering our students to go and seek answers elsewhere and 
be able to interpret information and, and pull out the good from the bad and decipher what that means for them in their context. And that's what some of the power that YouTube has. Yeah. You know, it gives opens up a whole another world what these kids can be learning. That's fantastic. I mean, you look now with the, the technology, teachers don't have to teach content, you know, like it's all there. Kids kids can go away and, and like the flip classroom can yeah. learn that in their own time. It's us to use that that understanding they have to make them think harder. I'm like, yeah, that's why I love YouTube. There's, there's gold, you know, everywhere on there. I think you're probably the first teacher I've heard say that they love YouTube. Really? Because people are reluctant to say that yeah. they use YouTube because they feel that they're the expert. Oh, I don't know. No, I'm definitely not. Um, when did when did YouTube kick off? Like, I can't remember teaching without YouTube. I don't. I don't know. I'm just trying to think back. I mean, even seven years ago, I was I was using using YouTube. And we just I teach a humanities class as well. And we just did this whole thing on globalisation and we looked at YouTube and where it started, and I can't remember. Um, yeah, I'm not quite sure. It's not too long ago. No, it's good. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's, I can't imagine how many hours of content goes up every second. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Uh, last question. We are all blacks. By the time people hear this, they would have either broken the record or not broken the record. 18, 18 wins on a trot. They gonna beat Ireland this weekend? Easily. And how how long's yeah. the what they've got after that? They've got France. Uh, who else have they got? I don't know. They're playing this. But they got about yeah. four, two against Ireland, France, and there's one other team. Not playing England. Not playing England. No. They're not playing Wales. They're just in Chicago at the moment. Mm. I was off sick yesterday, so I watched the Cubs in the final. That was great. Chicago be partying. Yeah, I've yeah. Got, well, that's their first one in 97 years yeah, or something. Yeah, 100 and something like that. So how long is this all-black streak going to go for? I can't see anyone beating us. Um, not this year anyway. Nah, not this year, maybe next year. Um, I don't like to give rugby people too much credit, though. I like to wind them up. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, but yeah, you got to love the all-blacks. Yeah, yeah, they're good. Mm. All right, um, Cam, I really appreciate you letting me stop by and have a chat. I think... Um, this whole concept of getting the socio-critical aspects or thinking and into a practical context within PE and health is, is, a, is a good way forward. Um, I think listeners should really have a go at some of the uh, things you mentioned about how we can just start immediately incorporating the socio-critical dimensions into PE. Um, so I really encourage you to do that. Um, I will put in the show notes... Um, your Twitter handle so people can tweet you some stuff maybe your experiences so they give some of these a shot so I really appreciate you um, having a chat today yeah have a look at um, Maddie and I on the gear shed as well yes, so, gear shed. so yeah. there's some really good information going up there a lot of social critical stuff too might I add so appreciate you taking the time out cheers mate